Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Fay, and I'm joined by a new look lineup today, Tyrone Marshall. Hello, first appearance of the season. Yeah, you've been busy. You've become a father. I'm very busy. You've changed as a man. I'm sure the listeners will be able to hear the uh, the delight in your voice. They'll be able to hear the tiredness, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Has fatherhood changed you? Uh, no, I don't think so. It just made me more tired. Well, I think I'm the same affable person I was previously. We'll let the listeners judge Indeed. on that. And Liam Corliss, nice to have you back. Yeah, first appearance for a long while. But Glad maybe, to be back. Hopefully you'll be back in the fold after your hiatus. Uh, Tyrone, thankfully for you, United have kept it consistent. They're still not winning games, just so you <laughs> haven't missed much. Uh, the game against Southampton at the weekend, just in general, what, what did you make of that performance? Because it would, it could have been Van Gaal, it could have been Mourinho, it was Solskjaer away at St Mary's and it was dull. Yeah, it was. I mean, I thought they started pretty brightly. I mean, clutching at straws there. But I think looking at that team sheet, I think a lot of people did it. Look at that team sheet and just thought that is, you know, that is not a great United team, is it? When when we saw that team sheet, I think everyone thought that they could be in trouble. Here. That is not a great team. And I thought they were going to be in trouble. I thought they might well lose the game. And then the way they started, I was actually quite impressed. The way they started, they were on the front foot. They were clearly the better side in the opening exchanges. Got the goal and all looked rosy but then yeah second half they were just under a bit of pressure and just it just kind of disintegrated that promising start just disintegrated um, that equalised with one of those rare moments when a cross goes in and it's in the air and I was actually at the Man City game at, at the weekend we were all watching it in the press room and the ball's in the air for that cross and we all just went well that's a goal it was just so clear that the run he had on Lindelof and I, to be fair I'm not sure Lindelof could do a great deal about that the guy's an absolute man mountain the ball had a lot of height on it and it was just one of those where you could clearly see what was going to happen. If anything, perhaps De Gea should have come for it and tried to just clean everything out. Um, but yeah, after that, you know, they didn't really take advantage of the man the man advantage they had and it was just more of the same, wasn't it? Uh, Liam, I guess it's interesting, like Tyrone said there, because this is a Southampton side who did nearly get a result against Liverpool as well early in this season. Solskjaer said that, you know, there were positives to take from the display, but... Is that clutching straws? Is it still a, a result that's just not good enough? Is, this is a Southampton side that could be one of the favourites to get relegated still this season. Yeah, I mean, I don't think Southampton will get relegated. And I think there were positives to take from the performance. As Ty said, the first half performance was good. Um, it was an improvement on the game against against Palace the, the previous weekend. But it was, in a way, it kind of reminded me of the Wolves game. They, they played well in the first half. I don't think the performance against Southampton in the first half was as good as the performance against Wolves in the first half. But I still feel like it was a good enough attacking display that United did deserve to lead at half-time. Um, obviously, what happened after the break wasn't good enough. The, the performance wasn't good enough at all. Southampton could feasibly have ended up winning the match. Um, but it, it's early stages in the season. And I know that the form since Solskjaer got the, the permanent job's not not been good. But I think we need to look at it. Um, I think we need to discount what happened at the end of last season. Um, and look at it from just this season's perspective. We had one win, um, two draws and a loss, um, which well, it doesn't make for good reading, but it's still early days. And um, I think there have been promising signs. Yeah, Ty's, t- uh, Liam touched on that. It's five points from a possible 12. Solskjaer said after the game, it's not a dip in form. No, not, 
Dipping form is a dip in results. Yeah. Do you agree with him that United have been unlucky this season? Because I know we were saying prior to the Southampton game, if United's penalties were better, they very well would be top of the table. Mm. But on the other hand, these do seem like results which were going to happen at some point, regardless of United's start to the season. Yeah, they do. And the, when a team's having a bad run of form and there's... I, I mean, I don't think there's any question marks over the manager at the moment in terms of United fans, but certainly from the outside, there's, there's people who are probably looking at Solskjaer and his previous record and wondering how he's in that job. Um, and, and when you say things like we can all see what he's getting at when he says it's not a dip in form it's a dip in results but when you're having that dip in form or results whatever it may be and when you're Man United and when people are there to ridicule you on Twitter when you say things like that it's going to come back to bite you and people are going to take the mick out of it unfortunately um, they, they've been a little unlucky I mean we were looking at there was a lot of when Solskjaer had that flying start when he was temporary manager there was a lot of XG geeks out there saying that this was unsustainable and it was all a massive fluke basically and that they were mm. scoring far more than they were expected to and conceding a lot less than they were expected to and there was a theory that the second half of his reign of last season so to speak once he got the permanent job was that evening itself out um, but if we look at it I mean we were looking at it yesterday expected goals and expected goals conceded for this season and United are actually underperforming relative to that at the moment which is worth mentioning where you know how much store you put in expected goals or not it's clearly a metric that a lot of people use these days to assess the merits of a performance United should have won pretty much all their games based on on the XG their expected points tally would have them second in the Premier League at the moment so you know looking at that and that as a metric it would suggest they have been unlucky and um, we mentioned the missed penalties they have created chances I think they've looked better than they did in the the run in the last two months or so of last season and I think you can say they have been a little bit unlucky but there's only so long you can you can claim to be unlucky and, and you know sooner or later you need to start turning that into consistent wins yeah well we're talking about XG as well Liam uh, if you use that uh, use that stat in particular Marcus Rashford in terms of goals expected should be the top goal scorer in the league the stats say that he's had enough chances to have scored six so far this season or also I think it is or maybe it's less I'm not sure but I know Aguero's got six from a possible three or whatever Rashford technically should be the top scorer based on the chances he's had but what do you make of him as a centre forward obviously the result at the weekend was was maybe detrimental because they didn't have Young or Marshall playing both of them out injured but Rashford as a replacement what did you make of him as, as a centre forward um, I don't think he covered himself in glory at all um, I think it was his two performances in a row now where he's He's been one of the worst players on the pitch. Um, Solskjaer obviously sees him as a number nine going forward, but I think you can tell from from his from his movement um, that he's just not a natural. He's just not a natural uh, foot striker through the middle. I think he's more effective outside uh, coming in from the left wing. And he's said that himself in the past that he doesn't want to really see himself as an out and out striker, and and that's that's all he does. He sees himself as a player who can play anywhere across the front three, left wing, right wing, or through the middle. But yeah, again, against Southampton, I think you could see there was two or three crosses that, that, that were flashed across six-yard box. Um, a couple of put in from Daniel James, really good cross with his left foot, and there was no one on the end of them. And when, when I watch Mason Greenwood play, I see that movement from him, and it looks a lot more natural. You know, he's always trying to get across his man, and you do, you do wonder if... If he was on the end of those crosses, would it be a goal? And you probably have to say then that it would be more likely to to end up in a goal. You mentioned before as well, Taron, that there were three changes for the game. You had Young and Marshall. Oh, Young came in for Shovel Marshall at Rashford in, but the other one, Jesse Lingard dropped and Andreas Pereira came in. That was one that 
that needed to happen really and no soul shot and Gareth Southgate are both back Lingard so he does offer more than maybe just the goals and assists that, mm. that often get quoted on social media but what do you make of the decision for for Lingard to get dropped at the weekend do you think it was the right one and one that had to happen I mean yeah he's not played very well has he this season it, it, it was perhaps a little bit strange timing in that I did um, Solskjaer's pre-match press conference on on Friday and he was asked about Lingard and the criticism he's getting at the moment and he's just he is relentlessly positive Solskjaer in a way that's to be admired but there's a point where it can just be too positive and he, he said that Lingard's performances this season for him have been fantastic and I think everyone there and everyone that's read it since just thought are we talking about the same player here because he's evidently not been fantastic and I can understand Solskjaer wants to defend him and shield him from criticism but it's got to be a little bit of honesty in there as well and he's he's not been fantastic has he you know no one no one who's watched him this season can say he's been fantastic you can say he might be a fantastic player what he contributes is fantastic but he's having a dip in four but I don't think he's been fantastic this season and it was proved by the fact he was dropped um, his his record in terms of goals and assists is abysmal. Do you think people read too much into that? The, the goals and assists hold direct goal contributions. Do think people are too obsessed with that sometimes? Yeah, maybe. I mean, obviously, when you look at the at the stat, cold hard stats and it doesn't look good, but I don't think that's ever been Lingard's number one attribute in his game. I think he brings, um, brings different strengths to the United team. And I don't think... Well, it's difficult to say that because obviously as an attacking midfielder, which is, which is where he's played at the start of this season, you know, when you're playing at number 10 for Man United, you're expecting someone to get goals and you expect someone to come up with some key passes, bring some assists in. But I feel like his, his, he does have his uses in this United system. You know, he's, he's got good energy and, and he presses well. And I know I got, I got pelters on Twitter a few weeks back, I think it was after the Wolves game, saying that you know he does have his, he does have his uses in a team and he, and he's a good presser and I had people coming back at me saying oh he's well well anyone can do that but I don't think that's necessarily the case um and I don't think really United benefited massively from Lingard being out of the team the other day um I don't think Andreas Pereira was any good so it, I do feel, I, I, yeah I don't know I see I think, uh, do you think okay maybe this sorry Ty but I'm what Liam said there, do you think it's just a case that Lingard is maybe one of the right players United, just he's being used in the wrong role then? Because like Liam no. said there, as an attacking midfielder, well, there yeah, is an emphasis on these stats, but... He, he's more of an advanced, he's kind of advanced, in playing in that three-man midfield, he's kind of the most advanced player. And then you've got James, Martial, Rashford as a front three. I don't think you necessarily always need, I mean, let's, controversially, let's use Liverpool's front three, midfield three as an example here in cities. City's midfield three create loads of chances. Liverpool's midfield three are a bunch of workhorses who create nothing, but they still score a load of goals because they get creativity from elsewhere. Lingard is, he can be great at what he does. I wrote last season when he was on really good form in Solskjaer's good run, that he can't, when you play him in that, in that role, he kind of, he's a very intelligent player. He can almost give you another tacker when you're on the front foot and he can be another midfielder when you're in the back foot and he knows when to flip between those positions and he is, his intelligence in the game is is underrated I think the problem is that he's playing in that position and if he doesn't contribute that much in terms of goals or assists normally that's fine but where are the goals or assists in this team they're not they're not really there are they Martial's got 11 in the Premier League that's his highest number I think in a season Rashford's got 10 in terms of assists where's the creativity coming from James maybe he's looked pretty promising from fullback not really I mean Wambasaka's still learning going forward Shaw doesn't provide loads of assists 
Um, Pogba, you know, had a great season for goals and assists last year. You wouldn't say he's necessarily that kind of creative midfielder. So while you could get away with Lingard's lack of numbers in a team that was functioning in other areas, the fact is this United team have got a major dearth of goals or assists there. So you do need some kind of contribution from that position, I think. Yeah, I guess the Liam, maybe the problem for Solskjaer is that Lingard, when he was playing, and he was justified earlier in the year, he was as a false nine quite often as well when United were getting these, these good away wins as well. Uh, do you think maybe... I mean, I guess the problem is, when we'll come on to him now as well, just naturally, Daniel James is in the squad now. You can't really ditch him. It's so unfair to drop him. He's one of the first names on the team sheet. So what what would you do after the international break with Lingard? Would you put him straight back into the, to the lineup, or would you move him out on the right? What, what what would you do? I think it'll have to depend on, on whether Martial's fit to come back in at number nine. Um, I, mean, I think Solskjaer's expecting him to be be fit in time for the Leicester game and and if he is I, I think I'd bring him in straight uh, put him straight back up front keep James on the left uh, probably you say against Leicester I mean they are probably one of the alongside Wolves and maybe Everton uh, the, one of the best teams outside the top six um, so it depends whether Solskjaer deems it necessary to put a two man midfield or a three man midfield in there you know that's something that they'll have to think about um, I'd be I'd be inclined to start Mason Greenwood. Uh, I thought he looked good when he came off the bench against Southampton. I don't think he's been used enough so far this season. Um, he's he's played on the right wing every time he's played. So personally, I'd go with a front three of Greenwood on the right, uh, Martial through the middle, and and James on the left. Obviously, like you say, you can't drop James. I mean, I'd, prior prior to the last couple of games, I don't, I don't think that James has been magnificent, but I thought he was United's best player uh, at Southampton. And then, like I say, it's just whether he wants that two or three man midfield. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I guess we'll we'll get onto the Leicester stuff maybe more next week, looking ahead to that game. But it does sense that they might be a, a team that United are maybe better catered to facing. But uh, Tyrone and Daniel James, what have you made of his impact so far? Because we talk about XG and all that as well. But uh, the fact is that United's last couple of goals, well, they've come from moments of magic from Daniel James rather mm. than chances created maybe directly at goal but is he a player for you who, who is the real deal or is, is he one who's maybe going through a, a patch in um, which he's running off adrenaline he's got this this whole sort of new sort of persona to him and yeah and, I, I mean I think it's very early to still say he's I mean it depends what you, you call the real deal I suppose but he has only played I mean it was only September last year when he made his senior league debut and that was in the championship so I think it's still very early to say he's the real deal I think we need to see it for two or three seasons consistently to say he is but he's certainly the start has been very promising he's brought a real energy to this team he's clearly loving playing for the club he's loving every minute of being out being out there he's, I mean he's, he's just kind of put a smile on people's faces hasn't he which is something that was needed in a way and he does bring I don't know almost a, uh, I suppose maybe a naivety in a good way to the situation in that so many of those players appear to have been ground down by years of just sort of going through the motions and changing managers and from one style to another and he's just brought a bit of youthful naivety to the situation and I think he's thriving because of that uh, you know there's there's still inevitably going to be elements of his game that he needs to improve because he's only played a year of senior football so and he's started off in the championship and he's now at Man United it's only two years ago he couldn't get a game in League One when he went on loan so you know the, the improvement has been rapid and I'm sure there's more to come and been a very exciting start for him definitely yeah it'll be interesting to see how he copes maybe especially after this international break to see how the momentum goes uh, 
Liam, Tyron touched on it before, and the goal that United can see is at the weekend. There's been some sections of support suggested that Lindelof should have done better. I know maybe De Gea could have done even better from the first save anyway, but what have you made of Victor Lindelof so far this season? I know some have said that maybe it's time for Twan Zabi to get a chance. I know I, I've i said that if Lindelof's to go out, I'd probably think Jones and Maguire is maybe the best centre-back partnership alternative they've got. But do you think it that, that Lindelof... Like, we've seen... In his two seasons, we've seen bad Lindelof and good Lindelof. What do you think the reality is? Now that he's against uh, Maguire, I guess he's going to be exposed even more because you've got an elite centre-back next to him. Yeah, I think at the start of this season, we've been back to, we've been back to bad Lindelof. Maybe not as bad as his first season, but you know he didn't look good in, in either of the first three games. And then he was at fault for... Well, I, I think he was at fault for that goal against Southampton. Um, but the issue is... There's no real top quality player in reserve to come in. You know, you look at City and maybe not so much this season because obviously Company's left. But last season they had they had four top class centre backs in Company: Laporte, John Stones, maybe Otamendi. I don't know if you'd class him as a top class centre back, but you know he's certainly an able enough deputy. Um, whereas United, they've got two and Zabia, a player. Has he ever played a competitive game for United? Or he's definitely not played many. Um, Phil Jones in reserve Chris Smalling's gone Marcos Rojo Still also an option on. Um, so it's, it's a case of who do you bring in if you, if you take Lindelof out of the firing line and, and what does that do to Lindelof's confidence if if Solskjaer t- takes him out after after four games of the, of the new season I mean he was, he was United's best centre-back last season and some people would argue he was, he was the club's best player I know Luke Shaw won the Player of the Year award but I personally think that that Lindelof needs to needs to be given a show of faith because last season obviously proved that that he was a good defender and, and obviously you know that's not changed in the in the space of a few months and he he should like he should be he should be coming on and, and progressing under Maguire and with with a more solid no uh, more solid defence alongside him with Wan Bissaka and, and Maguire coming in. Yeah, I guess it's also worth noting that Lindelof was quite shaky sort of last season. It was that game against Juventus, really, where he sort sort of laid down the benchmark and had that turning point. But Tyrone, just on the point that uh, Liam made that about Wan-Bissaka and Maguire, now that we're a few weeks into the season, we've had the, the first four matches. What have you made of United's summer additions? Because I guess the, the, maybe the frustration for United fans is they've brought in three players who have all improved the side, but... Mm. The, the problem now is not the recruitment at United, but it's the amount of players that are actually coming in. And but the, for the first couple of weeks, all, all signs of promise from the from the free round. Yeah, I think they've all had their moments. Um, like we say, James has, has really caught the eye. I think Wambasak has been very good at right back. Maguire's had had good games. Um, I think with Maguire and Lindelof, I think you've got to give them games and give them a chance to develop that partnership. I mean, that goal against the goal they conceded, the first one against Palace, showed there was still plenty of work to do on that I mean Lindelof should win the header but Maguire was absolutely miles away from him um, so I think I think they need time to develop a partnership and an understanding but for me they are clearly United's best central defensive partnership um, Wan-Bissaka has been, been excellent defensively I think we still you know we still know he needs to finesse his game going forward but I'm sure that will come and he used to be a winger so it's just a case of developing sort of timing those runs from, from deep and knowing which runs to make from a deeper position Um so yeah, I think all three signings have, have had an impact and, and have shown promise. I mean, Solskjaer wanted more, United fans would have wanted more, but in terms of the three that have come in, I think you've got to be happy with all of them. 
Yeah, Liam, do you echo those thoughts? I mean, what what have you made of that impact so far? Who's who's moving the one that's shone the brightest for you in the opening? I think Wan-Bissaka's one? impressed me the most. I mean, like Ty says, he's not. I don't think he's really, you know, made his mark going forward yet, and it does confuse me a bit the fact that he used to be a winger and he doesn't really <laughs> look that natural going forward. I mean, you'd think he would he would look like one of the most natural attacking fullbacks in the league, given given where he started his career. Um, Maguire's been solid is obviously an upgrade on the options that United had and James I still think I know, I know he's probably been well statistically he is United's top scorer this season um, but I, I still think he's very raw um, and it and it'll take him a while to for us to be fully convinced you know that he, that, that he is a real deal like we were talking about earlier but you know all, all three signings you know Solskjaer's got, got good reason to be optimistic about, about each of them I guess the final question for you, you both today is the fact that we've seen now all the uh, all the sort of title challenges and top four challenges play. We saw Arsenal versus Spurs at the weekend in the most stereotypical North London derby you could expect, mm. really. Chelsea looked good against Sheffield United but ended up dropping points. Uh, I guess the positive for United is that although they've started poorly, there's not been any real benchmark set by, by the other Champions League sort of challenges this season. And what do you make of United's Champions League? I know it's far too early to nail down your top mm. four, but do you think there is a, a promise in the fact that that no one's made the progress so far. Yeah, there is, and obviously that no one is no one is getting away. I mean, the top two are getting away, but I think everyone expected that. Um, beyond that, you'd have had Tottenham down as finishing third at the start of the season. Yet they've looked really, you know, they've looked poor so far. They were lucky to get a draw on on Sunday. There's obviously question marks about Pochettino's future and the noises he's making there. Um, Chelsea have got their own issues for all the, the good football they're playing. They are so vulnerable and so open at the back that that's going to have to change at some point because the amount of goals they're conceding is, is frightening and they're not going to finish in the top six if they continue in, in that direction. Um, and with Arsenal, I mean, there has been positive signs at Arsenal, but they're still doing the same old Arsenal things, aren't they? So, you know, I wouldn't say they're top four bankers. I think it probably shows that actually it's, it's wide open. I mean, Leicester have had a really good start. They've got, for me, a really good coach in Brendan Rodgers who, who can improve players. Um and you, you know, you wouldn't be surprised to see them in the top six. Top four might be a stretch, but I just think it's beyond the top two. It's it's possibly wide open, and certainly top six, it's wide open. You know, Everton have had a reasonable start. Wolves haven't, but you'd think you'd think they're going to come good. And Crystal Palace in fourth. No, no, no chance of Roy no Hodgson in Europe. No chance. Stranger things have happened. Who knows? That Liam, do you echo those? Well, do you think yeah, there is no. maybe this needs to be used as a positive? You know, to say you know what to do. It only takes a couple of wins, and you really are challenging. Yeah, I mean, like Ty said, um, City and Liverpool, I think everyone knew that, well, knew they were going to be the, tight, the two teams going for the title again this year. And I think the gap between the sixth place team and the seventh place team has, has um, closed. Well, not closed completely, but, you know, the margins definitely narrowed between between those sides. And I think it's, you probably go, I still think, I know Tottenham have had a, a poor start to the season, but, you know, they have had a tendency to do that in the past and then they do come good a bit a bit later on. I still think they'll come third, and then I think it's any one of any one of three. You'd probably have to say now, but 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 Leicester uh, are looking really good under Rodgers. Uh, you know, Nuno's not not quite got Wolves going just yet. I know they got a point against United, but you have to think that they they could be in a mix for a top six spot. Uh, and Everton as well, obviously invested quite well over the summer. But yeah, it, I mean, it, it's a positive for United that there's not four absolute bankers for the top four. And 
Arsenal and Chelsea. Um, you know, they've not started the season great. Um, Arsenal obviously had those two two wins to start the season with, but then then got pretty much hammered. I know it was only three one by by Liverpool, but it was a, a comprehensive defeat. And then Chelsea, there are a lot of parallels between Chelsea and United. You know, new manager, club legend coming in and trying to bring bring young players in, and you can kind of see what he's trying to do, but it's just not there yet, and it might take him a little bit of time to to get him to where they want to be. Um, so yeah, there are there, there are positives for United. Um, and I think that, you know, they still do have a chance of finishing fourth, but they'll have to put their ideas up and start picking up results. And hopefully for, for Solskjaer, that'll start um, after the international break against Leicester. Well, like Solskjaer said, mountains are there to be climbed. They've got a whole alpine ridge ahead of them for the rest of the season. Tight, Liam. Thank you very much for joining us this week on the Manchester is Red podcast. We will be back next week to analyse what's happened in the international break so far. And we will bring you a more comprehensive preview of the game against Leicester. Thank you for joining us today. Please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already. And see you again next time.